0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable histories. Today's story is about geography. Yes, it is a subject that is taken very much for granted today. Because right now we have the entire world in the palm of our hands. Every single route that you wanted to know is just a few clicks away. In fact, not just the routes, you will also find out the traffic along those routes. There is very little mystery that's left to the physical world. But it wasn't always like this. There was a time when the word remote did not mean that the flight tickets were expensive. It meant that the place was genuinely hard to get, Then it was truly unknown, unexplored. There was a time when geography wasn't just a bland subject that you had to get through in school. It was an undertaking filled with adventure, danger and wonder. There were men and women who have taken immense journeys to drag the world onto our maps. And this story is about one such person. And the geographical puzzle, that he set out to solve now before i tell you the story let me set a little bit of context our story is set in the second half of the 1800s in the second half of the 1800s the british had conquered most of india very little of this subcontinent was left for them to explore however there remained one blank spot on their map This blank spot was the Kingdom of Tibet and it was a piece of the puzzle that they were sorely missing. It was vital for the British to find out the geography of Tibet for two reasons. Number one was security because Russia lay to the north and they constantly threatened the British. So to protect their borders, they wanted to find out what lay in Tibet. The second reason was trade. They wanted to know if there were better routes for trading through Tibet. And for those two reasons, they really wanted to find out the landscape of Tibet. But exploration of Tibet was extremely difficult and it was difficult for two reasons. Number one was the hostile terrain and number two were the hostile people. Because you see the Kingdom of Tibet had grown extremely wary of foreigners they did not allow people into their mountain kingdom. There was only one exception. For hundreds and hundreds of years, Tibet had let monks pass freely through its kingdom. Which is why the British decided to disguise their spies as monks. These monk spies were called Pandits. And through the use of these Pandits, they were able to find out a lot of the landscape of Tibet. However, there was one riddle that remained. It was the riddle of a river. Here's what the riddle was. The riddle was, were the Brahmaputra and the Sangpo the exact same river? There was a suspicion that Sangpo and Brahmaputra were just two names for the same river. Sangpo started in Tibet and Brahmaputra made its way in the East of India. And though there was this suspicion, no one had confirmed it for sure. And it remained a mystery. And that's where our hero comes in. Our hero is a Sikkimese man called Kintup. And in 1870, he made his way to Darjeeling. He was looking for work, and he found a lot of odd jobs, but eventually settled down as a tailor. He was working in the market of Darjeeling as a tailor. Now, it so happened that around this time, the Survey of India moved their office to Darjeeling. And in Darjeeling, they were looking for people to work for the Survey of India. Kintup was enlisted, and in one of the first missions he made, he went with Namesingh who was a very renowned explorer and the two of them left in 1878 to find out whether the river Sangpo was the same as the Brahmaputra. They made a lot of progress, they made some breakthrough, but the riddle remained. They couldn't find out for certain whether this river was the same. Around this time, the head of the Survey of India was a British officer called Lieutenant Henry Herman. And he was a person who was obsessed with finding out whether the sangpo was really the brahmaputra. And in 1880, he decides to launch a second expedition. And when he launches this expedition, he remembers his old friend Kintup. He's enlisted, and he is enlisted to serve under a Chinese lama. Now, this Chinese lama was in Darjeeling, and he had a passport to Tibet not just that he was also literate he could read and write kintup had a lot of talents he was good technically he knew how to conduct surveys and he was exceptionally good as a traveler however the one thing he lacked sorely was the fact that he was illiterate and which is why it was decided that the chinese lama would head this mission and kintup would accompany him disguised as his servant The two men decide to set off in 1880. Kintup has been told that it's going to be a mission that's going to last for four months, which is why he uh, says goodbye to his wife and his kids, and he says he'll return in four months time. The two men set off. They enter Tibet through Sikkim. They go through the Donkia Pass. And after a few days of walking, they finally reach the Tibetan city of Lhasa. They spend some time there. And then they head out further searching for the Sangpo. It's a difficult journey, it's an arduous trek. They have to go through vegetation and wilderness. Some nights they would stop at jikyops. Jikiops were sheds that were constructed by the government of Tibet for travelers. On the nights that they could not find jikyops, they would have to make do in nature. They slept in caves, they slept out in the wilderness it was difficult to say the very least as the days start ticking by the journey starts wearing the two men down it's a long journey something that the two men had not estimated soon three months have passed and their mission shows no signs of ending the river keeps running and the mountains keep wearing down their souls and slowly the real nature of the Lama starts appearing. The Lama had been worn down by the journey and slowly he became irritable and abusive towards Kintup. He starts treating him like he was not disguised as a servant, but he was really his servant. It's a difficult journey that Kintup now has to make with a disagreeable companion. But they forge on. Eventually, they reach a village. This is the village of Thun Sung. And at this village, something incredible happens. The Chinese Lama falls in love. He falls in love with a woman from the Lopa tribe. And she's not just any woman. She happens to be the wife of the village head. Because the Lama is in love, the two men end up staying in that village for four months thankfully they are able to leave after four months without incident the two men leave and they carry on and eventually they reach a castle and it's called the zong now at the zong they are very eager to get in and stay there because at this point they're extremely tired and they've also run out of money so they stop at the zong and they request to be let in and thankfully they are they enter the zong and now the Chinese Lama starts becoming extremely friendly with the chief of the Zong. It's a little too friendly and a little too suspicious. And then they stay there for two days. At the end of two days, the Chinese Lama says to Kintop, he says that his heart is longing for the Lopa woman that they had just left behind. He wants to go and visit her so he can see her for one last time. Kintup doesn't know what to make of this, but he clearly cannot stop the Chinese lama. The lama leaves and he heads back towards the village. The days start ticking by and the lama shows no signs of returning. And slowly it dawns on Kintup that the man has absconded. So, he gathers up the courage and he goes up to the chief of the Zong and he says, My master has gone. I don't know when he'll return. If you can hand me my possessions, I would like to leave. At this point, the chief of the Zong laughs and he says, Neither will your master return and nor will you leave. And then he breaks the news to Kintop. He says that the Lama had sold him. To the Zong for 50 rupees, and now he was the slave of the Zong. Kintup had begun this journey pretending to be a servant, and now he had ended up becoming a real slave. His enslavement begins, and it's extremely difficult. It's harder than the journey he's made so far. He works from sunrise to sunset every single day. He is made to sleep among the sheep he's kept in very poor conditions and the work is extremely hard and there is no respite for kintop on the few days where he would find the time he would take out a compass that he had hidden away from his captors and he would look at the needle as it frantically searched for north although all this time had passed although so many things had happened kintop had not forgotten his mission and he longed one day to finish it and return home and soon he would get his opportunity. Six months into his captivity, Kintup is told to go and fetch firewood from the forest and that's the chance he was looking for. He darts into the woods and he makes his escape. He runs through the woods and eventually finds his way to the river. He's found the sangpo using his compass and he then uses the compass to find his direction onwards he calculates the distance he's covering by counting on a prayer bead and he makes it a point to remember everything that he's seeing so that he can later report it when he gets back to india and he sorely hopes to do just that he walks for days along the sangpo five days later he comes to an astounding sight. He sees the Sangpo leaping off these rocks. It's formed a waterfall, and as he looks below it, he sees that there's a spray of water, and on this spray, dancing across it, is a rainbow. It's a beautiful sight, and it must have been quite something for him to witness, tired and weary as he was. But he continues onwards. He's living on whatever he can find in the forest, he's scavenging and scrounging and staying alive. 11 days later of relentless travel, he finally reaches a valley. In this valley, on one hillside, he can see a monastery. He's so relieved, he's finally at a place where he can rest. After 11 days out in the woods, he makes his way to the monastery and there, He finds people from the Zong waiting for him. Kintup makes his way to the monastery and he finds people from the Zong waiting for him. But it is at this point that his luck starts changing for the better. The head of the monastery takes a liking to Kintup and he pays the people from the Zong 50 rupees. And now Kintup is a slave of the monastery. But life is much better for Kintup. It's much easier than it was at the Zong. Over here in the monastery, there are 30 monks and Kintup's job is to take care of them, to darn their clothes and to fetch supplies whenever necessary. He finds it much easier, the life at the monastery. It's more serene, it's quieter and he enjoys the peace and the calm. The monastery overlooks the valley and in the valley he can see the sangpo rushing past. Every day he is reminded that his mission is still not complete. He prays fervently that one day he will leave the monastery, finish his mission and go back home. Then one day, Gintup decides to take a chance. He goes up to the chief of the monastery who is known as the Kenpo. He goes up to the Kenpo and he asks him if he can take some time out to go on a pilgrimage. And the Kenpo agrees. Kintup leaves the monastery and predictably makes his way to the river. He then starts following the river and walks along it for many days. Eight days later, he finally reaches a bend in the river. At this point, there is a sandy bank on the river and 200 meters away from this bank he can see a cave this is the spot that kintup has decided that he will finish his plan so for the next five days here's what kintup does from sunrise to sunset he begins chopping wood he chops logs and logs of wood finally amassing 500 logs these logs he carefully places into the cave and then he makes his way back to the monastery. He then bides his time. Slowly, two months pass. And after two months, he goes back to the Khenpo. And he says, I would like to go on a second pilgrimage. And for the second time, the Khenpo lets him leave. But this time, Kintup goes in a different direction. This time, he goes to Lhasa and at Lhasa, he meets an official, He's an official from Sikkim, an official known as the Kazi. Now he asked the official, he tells him that I need you to write a letter and send it across to a man called Nem Singh in Darjeeling. The letter detailed Kintup's experiences in Tibet, his journey so far, and more crucially it detailed the plan that Kintup was going to execute. This letter, that he was going to send to Naim Singh. Naim Singh would eventually send to Lieutenant Henry Herman and the plan was devised by Lieutenant Henry Herman a long time ago when he had first sent Kintop on the mission Here's what the plan was going to be Kintop wrote that 9 months from now on a specified date he is going to drop 500 specially marked logs into the river Men were to be stationed along the Brahmaputra to keep watch. And if they spotted these specially marked logs, then it would prove once and for all that the Sangpo was indeed the Brahmaputra. Now that was the plan. And he gets the Kazi to write this and the Kazi sets off. Then, Kintup returns to the monastery and he starts biding his time. Now nine months must have felt incredibly long to Kintup. Every single day must have expanded. Now that the finish line was so close, time must have slowed down. But eventually, day after day, night after night, nine months pass. At the end of nine months, Kintup goes to the Kenpo and he says, I'd like to make another pilgrimage. But this time, The Kenpo says, you don't have to ask for permission because we've decided to set you free. It must have been incredible news for Kintup and he was extremely happy. The monks gave him food and they gave him money and before he set out on his journey, he prayed one last time at the monastery. He then sets out and again finds the river and follows it all the way to the cave. But it's raining now and the sangpo has swollen. The water is reaching the cave. But thankfully, the logs are still there. Now, Kintu gets to the logs and he takes out these special markers. These markers had been given to him by Lieutenant Henry Hermann when he had first left on his journey. He had kept these markers safe for all this time. They were strapped to his body and finally, After all these adventures, he had occasion to use them. He takes out these markers, he puts them on the logs, and then he starts dropping the logs into the river. He drops 50 logs a day, and after 10 days, he's finished with all the logs. He then sets out on foot following this river, hoping that it would lead back to India. He makes his way all the way to a small village called Onlet. And over there, far in the distance, he can see the plains of India. But he can go no further because there are hostile tribes in the area. There's a particular tribe called the Abor who are extremely hostile and fearing for his life. Kintup turns back and follows the river all the way back to Lhasa. And from Lhasa, he makes his way into Darjeeling. He returned home in the year 1884. This mission was supposed to last four months. And it had ended up lasting four years. He finally makes his way back and he must have been eager to find out whether he had succeeded or not. But there was to be one more ill-fated twist in this extremely ill-fated journey. The letter had been sent and it reached namesingh who forwarded it to the Survey of India. But before it arrived... Lieutenant Henry Herman, the chief of the Survey of India, had already left the country and he was going to die of tuberculosis in Florence. So, the letter remained unopened. The men were never sent to keep watch on the Brahmaputra and the logs that Kintup had dropped, they sailed past unnoticed. Kintup is back in Darjeeling and... Very quietly, he resumes work again as a tailor. It would be two whole years before anybody from the Survey of India would reach out to Kintup and debrief him on his mission. Two years later, finally, officials reach out to Kintup and they ask him for a detailed version of his journey. And my God, did they get a detailed version. Because... You see the one amazing thing about Kintup was that he had an incredible memory. From memory alone he is able to reconstruct all the journeys he's made over four long years. He is able to tell them various locations, he is able to provide vivid descriptions of those locations, he gives them names, not just one, not just two but hundreds. All of these things are noted down and then Decades later, Kintup would be proved to be absolutely accurate. It was a testament to his technique, his tenacity and his truthfulness that when a mission was mounted in 1913, they found almost everything to be exactly as Kintup had stated it. Eventually they would find out emphatically that yes, the Sangpo was the Brahmaputra. They were two names for the same river and though Kintup was not the man to conclusively prove it, he did push the needle forward in making this discovery happen. And that is the story of Kintup and his adventures in geography. I hope you enjoyed the story. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. Let me know what other stories you'd like me to cover by leaving them in the comment section below. For example, this story was suggested to me by Vedant Pofale. And Vedant, thank you so much for sending in all those resources too. Uh, It really, really helped. Uh, In particular, if you uh, want to read more about the story, do check out this book called The Bells of Shangri-La. It's by Parimal Bhattacharya. He has this story in greater detail along with a lot of other uh, fun stories from the sordid history of geography. So, do check that out. And as usual, this episode is brought to you by My Career. If you'd like to support My Career, then do check the description out because you will find ticket links for shows i'll be doing also if you'd like to support the channel then uh, do consider becoming a member Uh, it helps and you get to be a part of every single live taping of each story each story is performed in front of a live audience and members get to be a part of that so that is it from this story until next time bye bye.